0: Hey everybody welcome to another edition of Freight Friday from us here at AM Transport. We've got a good episode for you today we're gonna be talking some macroeconomic data and we're gonna be diving into uh, some distance specific contracted volume data that we just got our hands on so be sure to stay tuned and find out more. Hey everybody, like we said, welcome to another edition of Freight Friday from AM Transport. I'm Elliot Brazil, joined here today by the one and only Jason Doors, who was here uh, last week as well with our friend uh, David Abel. Um, and this week I guess we're back to regularly scheduled programming as they say. Yes, um, okay.
1: regularly scheduled with the better looking person and the smart guy. <laughs>
0: you heard it here first guys. <laughs> so without further ado, let's dive right into this. So. Um, the first kind of, like we said, we're gonna talk some macroeconomic data. Uh, the first piece we really wanted to dive into um, was year over year changes in imports in the U.S. from Vietnam. Uh, per the U.S. Commerce Department, uh, volume flows uh, there, or rather the value of uh, that, that trade channel, uh, increased 34% uh, year over year, like I said, in terms of the value of the shipments. Um, a pretty good indicator that supply chains are shifting um, due to the kind of tariffs that we've talked about before um, yep. everything is kind of shifting people are finding a new place to uh, manufacture as kind of tariffs ramp up on China
1: right I mean you're faced to either eat it or figure out something different right what I didn't realize is how many companies had already started making that move until this started coming up it's been three or four years ago a lot of these companies had already kind of had a sense mm-hmm. of some of this Potential and I started started moving some of that production. I just didn't realize how many until now It's hey, we have to do this right. So uh, it's pretty interesting to see that and it, it also difficult You just don't pick up your plant and say okay. We'll just move this over here and start right. production. productions so, mm-hmm. um, Companies doing a really good job with it.
0: Yep, and you know with uh, You know, we hear a lot about the kind of intellectual property side of doing business in China If you manufacture there you're given up a lot of intellectual property uh to the chinese probably another good reason to shift manufacturing out of that country
1: yeah uh i understand the lure you know just the the amount of population and mm-hmm. access to to sales there but at the same time you relinquish a lot of control right um and you know that's a business decision to do and we're seeing just now you know just Trickles all the way down to the NBA, right? With yep. what, what's going on there. So, um, you, the control you give up and the, get out from underneath the thumb uh, of the Chinese government on this, man, I, I wouldn't want to have to contemplate that. Uh, but sometimes that's what you got to do.
0: Yep. Uh, so, moving right along here, uh, a couple of the indices that we really like looking at, if you follow us here on Freight Friday, uh, from the Institute of Supply Management. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Purchasing Managers Index, um, as well as the Manufacturing Production Index. So the PMI specifically, it's based on a monthly survey uh, sent to senior executives at more than 400 companies in 19 primary industries which are weighted uh, by their contribution to the US's GDP. Um, So PMI basically broken up into five main survey areas, new orders, inventory levels, production, uh, supplier deliveries, and employment. Um, And then these are basically weighted equally. Um, so, we saw, last time we talked, last time numbers were released, uh, we saw that number dip below 50, which indicates yep. a contraction from the previous month. Uh, this month, we're seeing an even deeper uh, contraction.
1: Yeah, and some people will say, well, we predicted that, right, and we mm-hmm. saw it coming. I, whether they predicted it or not <laughs> remains to be seen, but right. it is <coughs> it is lower, and that's the number we're, we're looking at. Right. Um, we're seeing manufacturer numbers continue to sink lower. Yep. Um, I know you and I were both surprised this morning about uh, the Class A orders. Yeah. You know, actually setting a record, um, and then are or not orders sales. Yes. Sorry. And we yep. we're, the difference between orders and sales yep. there. So, um, it it's still you know there is bad news, a lot of bad news out there, but we're heading right into what the economy relies on, and that's the consumer. Yeah. Right? It's heading into consumer season, and if numbers in the early part of the season, because it seems like that gets earlier and earlier and earlier, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, now starts like in October, it Mm -hmm. almost seems like. So if those numbers start to come in pretty low, you see the snowball effect. Yep. You know, bad manufacturing, bad consumer, and, and we'll see what happens. And the Fed still remains kind of holding out on it. That hey, the, the consumer services are propping everybody up. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll get we'll get uh, some clarity on
0: this very very soon. Yep, retail number is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, like you alluded to, purchasing man or sorry, manufacturing production index uh, also contracted um, for September. Yeah.
1: And what is it, like 10%, like the manufacturing makes up 10% of the US economy or less than 10% of the US economy? I believe,
0: so, I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe Something that.
1: like that. So when you when you take a look at that, yes, it's important to, to understand that number because mm-hmm. things are being produced, but when you look at the overall economy, that is a small chunk right. of what makes up the economy. So yeah. that's why a lot of focus is going to be on the consumer and retail season upcoming.
0: Definitely. Yeah, we are uh, firmly a service-based economy at this point. Um, so yeah, so uh, there is your dose, your weekly dose of macroeconomic data. Uh, I know everybody was excited for yes. macroeconomic news. <laughs> so if you're still with us, we're going to uh, transition now kind of into some volume data. Our friends over at FreightWaves uh, this week released some uh, really interesting data sets that we've uh, been agitating for for a long time, sort yes. of distance-based uh, volume data. So uh, looking at contracted uh, volumes coming into or out of a market. Uh, based on the length of haul uh, for that volume. Yeah. Uh, so, we can see some pretty interesting trends and I think it'll be really valuable moving forward.
1: Yeah, with the with e-commerce and distribution networks changing, you, know, you don't have just the manufacturing changing from China to to, to different areas, mm-hmm. but now you have distribution networks, spoken hub models changing up due to that to reach people. Yep. And that length of haul is shortening quite a bit. You know, yes, hours of service ELD is part of that, but the other part is just the distribution network itself. So. That's why we've been excited about being able to see this on how this breaks down from length of haul yep. um, instead of just, yeah, the number of loads and volume. So mm-hmm. uh, pretty exciting to see that number.
0: Absolutely. So you know, kind of diving into this a little bit, uh, really interestingly, I just created a, you know, a couple of uh, watch lists here to take a look at these different uh, length of haul uh, volume bands or length of haul uh, bands and the volumes uh, in each of those. Uh, kind of unsurprisingly, the Ontario market is highest volume for everyone except for Tweener, uh, which was a little bit interesting until I kind of pulled it up on a map and you look at what that 450 to 800 mile <laughs> radius looks like outside of uh, the Ontario market, and it's you know it's New Mexico, Colorado, Oregon, uh, Utah. It's maybe unsurprising that those are a little lower.
1: Yeah, yeah not that surprising when you look at it close.
0: Yep. Uh, in terms of Tweener though, kind of interestingly, ATL tops the list and then uh, Memphis. So. Yeah.
1: Well, you're, you're starting to talk about some heavy distribution hubs, yes. right? You know, and so much warehousing um, within those areas, you know. We're not as clo- local to ATL, but I compare it similar to the, the triangle of southern Indiana, mm-hmm. you know, northern Kentucky, northwest Kentucky, and, and um, southwestern Ohio. You know, that little area that seems to be kind of a distribution hub as well. And there's a lot, I think you'll kind of touch on some of that, as there's a lot of short hauls in there. Just from a, it's just all these things getting stuck, as, as our friends in the East call the big boxes. Right. The big boxes built out there. Right. Um, so that's where all this stuff is getting to us, all those short hauls to get into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly. So uh, in terms of looking at those short hauls, uh, Columbus. Uh, the Columbus market in Ohio super strong in terms of short um, and mid hauls. Um, that's kind of like the 100 to 450 mile uh, range for those two combined. Yeah. Um, I was doing a little research on it. It Looks like the U.S. government uh, is the city's third largest employer there in Columbus, and it operates the Defense Supply Center, uh, whose 3,000 employees operate a massive central uh, storehouse that ships up to 10,000 items per day to military uh, posts around the world. So it's kind of a the central uh, location that those things are starting to come out of
1: yeah it's pretty big I think what's interesting though uh, is that so we know the G the UAW GM strike going on, yep and we also know that that kind of corridor over there is heavy heavy automotive stuff mm-hmm. and those have stopped you know a lot of those shipments have stopped so to see these numbers continue to, to go up with those not taking place is interesting yeah so something's definitely leading the way over there something's moving yep
0: mm-hmm yeah, so uh, those short and mid hauls coming out of the Columbus market—that's more than half of the volume coming out of that market—is in that 100 to 450 mile range. And
1: when you get just west of Columbus, you're in, distribu- in a huge distribution yep. hub. So I would have to say that's a big piece of it.
0: Yep. Um, and then the other kind of market uh, we we're looking at—that's kind of seems to be punching kind of above its weight uh, in a certain uh, distance range—was uh, Fort Worth in Texas. Yep. Uh, so a lot of long hauls coming out of there, 45, more than 45% of the volume coming out of that Fort Worth market is long haul, 800 mile plus.
1: That wouldn't be surprising. Um, you know, typically this time of year, you don't see a lot of outbound out of that market, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth market. Um, but over the last two years, you've seen a lot of distribution warehouses taking form down there, shaping mm-hmm. up. Um, but I would would have thought that would have been more of a... A short haul mm-hmm. run to, to where they were supplying out of there so I'm really curious to dig in and find out where what freight is moving out of Fort yes. Worth and where it's going to on a long haul
0: yep so FreightWaves if, if you're listening uh, hopefully we'll see that in a future release down the road where we can kind of dive into the data even deeper and, and see you know what's constituting yes uh, that stuff make it easier for us yeah absolutely make it easier for everybody <laughs> right uh, so uh, with that that's all we have uh, this week Um, but we will see you next week. Let us know what you're seeing on the ground. Give us a like, give us a share, and let us know what's going on. And until next time, good luck out there.